0: Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith.
1: We are very excited about today's guest on Financial Flight Academy. John Schutz and I took the leap of faith to create Soar Wealth Strategies back in April of 2022, and we had been overwhelmed with the outpouring of support from our friends, family, and clients. Our vision is to make sure that generations of families receive the comprehensive financial services and support that they've come to know from us. I'm Brent Conley. I'm one of the founding partners of Sorwell Wealth Strategies.
2: And I'm John Schutz, the other founding partner at Sore Wealth Strategies. And that was a beautiful speech, Brent. I'm oh. tearing up sh- just a little bit. Stop. It could be the pollen. But uh, yes, welcome to Financial Flight Academy. I am very excited about our guest today. Brent. I know. You know, John, the time for growth is now. We are happy to announce. Now, is there a funeral that I'm not aware of? What What is happening with you? Yeah, let's have a little energy. Well, here. let's you know, go. All I've, right, come on, pick it up a notch. Well, I'm not a
1: big guest. I know it is. I'm getting to that point. Guess, we are very happy it, yeah. to announce financial advisor Andrew Muska as today's guest and newest member to Sorwell Strategies.
3: Oh, yes. insert applause track. Uh, yes, Brent, John. Thank you for having me today, guys. We don't have the budget for an applause track,
2: but that's okay. <laughs> that is that is okay. It, it's great having you. It's great having you and uh, Karen McCall on board with us now at sure. Soar Wealth Strategies. So we're going to let people get to know you a little bit here, Andrew. Oh and- boy, John. <laughs> what do we want to know? I am <laughs> well, an open book. Bu- let's take us back to those simpler times when you were growing up in...
3: Upstate New York. Well, see, that's a falsehood. It's I was not upstate. A, I was actually found in a basket on the Susquehanna <laughs> River. Uh, no, uh, you were right, John. Uh, I'm not an Omaha native, uh, but after being here for about 18 years, I think it's time to start calling myself that. Um, uh, originally from Upstate New York, you may not notice an accent, and that's by design. Uh, upstaters don't tend to have one. We don't sound like the city folk. Hmm. I uh, grew up in. A town. I'm told you sound a lot like me, and I did grow up here. So there you go. There you so go. We have that nice midwestern tone in, in the <laughs> Love it. hills you, of upstate. You fake it well. So from a, a small town uh, called Binghamton, it, it's known for a few things. You know, carousel capital of the world, uh, oh. the birthplace of Rod Serling of uh, <laughs> you know, Twilight Zone <laughs> fame. <laughs> Uh, and pretty close to the founding town, Endicott, New York, of IBM. So oh, there the town go. was really known for industry. It was a big industrial town okay. for many years. And w- so what was the uh, family business? Well, you that know- That made it sound like it was a mob operation. <laughs>
2: I didn't- well, We could go up. a few
3: generations back, John, and have a talk, but we're not going to do that. Okay, today, good. No. <laughs> good. Good, good. <laughs> so family business, You know, I grew up in a simple household. I'll start from the beginning. Yeah, I grew up in a- multi-generational home, immigrant family, lived in a duplex with downstairs was my great grandmother really from Italy, my grandmother, and upstairs was my parents and my brother and I. Simple times, simple folks. I have police officers in the family. My father started off right out of uh, high school, no college education, and he was a custodial arts specialist <laughs> uh, at a local school, yeah, yeah, um my mother started off at a grocery store as a cashier, and very humble beginnings for the family, yeah, um, but once they saw that children would be on the way, they realized they needed to make some changes, and with some grit and determination, they definitely did it and what what was money like growing up for you, for you as a child then? You know, money was money was always it was never a question, you know, it was something that we didn't worry about as kids. Um but there were times that we would we would hear about it. You know, I remember growing up and my mom sitting us down and saying, you know, boys, it, it's going to be a quiet Christmas this year. So, you know, I know my parents worked incredibly hard and they continue to work very hard yep. uh, and they've mm-hmm. given us an awful lot, but they didn't come from money. So, I've had to uh, develop an understanding of money as an outsider. Mm -hmm. And I've really focused my career on that. All my education and everything beyond that. Get -hmm. a good understanding of goals. We may be
2: twins separated by multiple years. Minus
1: the corn knife.
2: (laughs) I don't want to know. (laughs) We're not. Yeah. It's a running theme. Is is this for detasseling? Yeah. uh, Well, uh, bean walking. Oh. Detasseling, you would use... About, right anyway cares. all right we're we're moving yeah, on yeah
1: we're moving on now
2: so let's, proving he's from new york
1: let, yeah. let's talk about <laughs> some of those early jobs and, yeah and, you know obviously you 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 got that work ethic from your oh folks, yeah but talk yeah. about some of those early
3: jobs that andrew muska did all right so i have to laugh about uh my my parents still pick on me about this when i was uh just getting into my double digits you know maybe 11 12 13 My dream was to work at CVS Pharmacy, okay? I don't know (laughs) if I can say that. I'm not a sponsor or anything, but my dream is to work at the local pharmacy. Um, And there was a pharmacy about uh, a mile from the house. And as a kid, I'd either hop on my bike every summer, or I'd walk up there, and I would ask the manager for a job. And, of course, child labor laws won't allow (laughs) an 11-, 12-year-old to do that in the States. Right. Uh, But eventually, at age 16, he said, all right. Come on in. We'll have an interview. We'll we'll do it. And I was tickled pink. I was so happy. I loved that experience. Um, a ton of fun. I loved getting to know people. I got to meet all sorts of folks. Uh, it was in a nice neighborhood. I just love talking to people. I love learning about their stories. And boy, did I have an opportunity to do it there at the pharmacy.
2: Yeah. And what was the best part of the CVS job?
3: Well, I really liked to vacuum. Really, I, I did. <laughs> We've got another job for you then. I, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I was somewhat competitive, so we would actually have uh, we would have races with the vacuum—not who could ride it fastest, but who could finish the store as quick as possible while doing a good job.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Um, but I, what I liked about the pharmacy was just meeting people. I'm a talker. I like to get to know folks, right. and I had all sorts of folks come right up to the register with me and visit and. Boy, I felt like a special, important person. It was, it was wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what's the story about working at Victoria's Secret? Oh, for, is, oh, was this a long tenure? This was not. No, this was. <laughs> okay. Well, we <laughs> we've got some. number one. There are a lot of men out there wondering yeah. how you get that job. But go ahead. <laughs> well oh, okay
3: so listen there's a gap there that we need to fill in okay uh, all right not only did i work at cvs but i also wanted to you know find other jobs so i, I also worked at uh, a, a great clothing store from the pacific northwest I, i'm not going to name them um loved it there i got to get a good discount on clothing and, mm-hmm. and look sharp i thought and help people find uh, what made them feel confident uh and those jobs helped me through college but while i was up in rochester new york at school I was in the mall and I walked past the Victoria's secret on my way back from Eddie Bauer, excuse me, Eddie Bauer. Yeah. Uh, and I said, maybe, maybe just maybe if I apply here, they're going to hire me and this is going to change all of my, <laughs> this is going to change my luck. Oh my goodness. And what luck are we talking yeah. about? So I, I walked in and again, I had no fear. I walked right in and I said, I'm looking for a job. And they interviewed me on the spot, walked me out into the center court of the mall. And I remember the manager looked at me and said, you know, you're going to be great. You're going to wear a a nice black, chunky turtleneck. nice (laughs) Well, it was me that was chunky. The turtleneck was normal. (laughs) Nice black slacks. And you're going to, you'll be so chic. You'll look amazing. And I thought, great. And she said, come in on Monday. We'll get you started. Give me time. So I go back, back to my apartment with my college friends, and I tell them all the wonderful news that I thought I had. And it was relentless ribbing from that moment forward. <laughs> I was harassed, abused, bombarded and oh. it scared me so much that i couldn't even show up on the first day really so it technically wasn't even a day john wow mm-hmm. wow that's true
2: wonder if you felt the same way here <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah you're gonna
2: stick around right well the harassment <laughs> has already begun right? <laughs> <laughs> that's not true we will
1: edit that part out anyway <laughs> andrew
2: that's a great story it, yeah, well, yeah. Thank you. well it just it goes to show that you know if you don't ask the question, the answer is no. This is correct. If you know, if you ask mm-hmm. the question, the answer could be yes or no. So true. You got the yes, and, and then I,
3: you said no. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you know that this I think highlights my time in college pretty well. I, I I worked hard. I went to a couple different schools. I was at the Rochester Institute Institute of Technology you have to have a 1400 on the SAT just to say that name. Uh, that's a joke, but, uh, so I, I went to that school, uh, applied mathematics was my area of study and it was grueling and it was a challenge. It was very difficult. I found myself really missing home, but absolutely loving mathematics. So I took a step back. I took a step back from education just for a real short period of time, maybe three months. Um, and stepped back in at the community college and then state school level uh, where I continued my education in mathematics. And after completing my associate's degree and continued work at the state school, uh, I was able to get a bachelor of science in mathematics. It's my passion. Numbers speak to me and it's uh, it's not a mental illness. Uh, Some might (laughs) (laughs) say that it is, but I love numbers. And when you can look at a person and understand the numbers that they're telling you and help to paint a picture with those numbers. Yeah. I think it's a really, it's a powerful thing. And I think that's what this job is. Really. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's what we do is, you know, we take, we take information, we distill it into a picture, and we describe it back and say, "Is this right? Is this right. the goal? Is this what we want?"
2: Yeah. What? And, yeah. Yeah. What does this mean to you? Is this? Is this? Are we on the right path? Right. Yes. And,
1: and your story after this is similar to some of the clients we talked to in in regards to student loans and mm-hmm. some of the debt that we you know work with our clients on that have. And you mentioned that
3: you had some student yeah. loan debt, and that kind of it pointed me in a direction right yeah so Talk a little bit about that you know again not having uh growing up with a lot of money i, I wasn't able to walk to school with a bag of cash and say here <laughs> let's pay for tuition it, right. most people are like that that's be realistic so, yes
2: that they don't have the bag. Of they cash. don't have a yes. bag correct. of cash
3: right? right to be clear correct yeah. um so you know i didn't have the bag of cash and when i graduated with my, my bachelor in mathematics my desire was to pursue a few p- pursue uh the field of actuary science. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an actuary. And in order to do that, you have to take exams. You have to pass the exams before you can even get a, an entry level job. Most places won't take you even for an internship at the time unless you had about two exams passed. And I was in a situation, I'd graduated, and then it dawned on me I should probably start studying for the exams. <laughs> and six, good idea. Six months later, guess what came in the mail? my first bill for the student loan. Ah, mm-hmm. And I said, oh shoot, <laughs> I don't think my pharmacy pay or my uh, clothing store pay is going to help me quite enough to pay the student loan off. Right. So let's look for a job. Mm-hmm. I like people. I like numbers. How about banking? And that's how I, find, I found myself in a, a very uh, wonderful regional bank in upstate New York. Started off as a teller, Again, it was almost a dream job. I stood at a, a window and people lined up to talk to me. That—that that is my dream. <laughs> and you—you you well, are aware
2: they had an ulterior motive. They wanted money from. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. I, after the fact.
3: <laughs> but uh, you know that that job I think gave me an opportunity to shine with my ability to connect with people. And it wasn't very long, maybe a month or two that I was identified uh, as someone who should participate in what was called a a sales development program with the express purpose of getting me licensed and trained in financial services of an investment kind. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was almost 19 years ago now where I began the process of learning investments Mm -hmm. and investing and then getting my licenses. And here I am.
2: Yes. Still licensed and still talking investment. This is correct. All right. So when we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about this career track. We'll talk about that with our newest financial advisor at Sorwell Strategies, Andrew Muscat.
1: Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the podcast Financial Flight Academy, and we are so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to sorwellstrategies.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. And we're back with our newest financial advisor here at Sorwell Strategies, Andrew Muska. So, tell us a little bit how this New Yorker ended up in the Midwest here, Andrew. How, how does that happen?
3: Well, okay, Brent, uh, I was trying to pay you not to ask this question it's a bit embarrassing uh, <laughs> i have no secrets so only one thing could take a new yorker and bring him to uh the midwest and that's the witness a, protection not- program.
2: <laughs> no 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 incorrect okay. no uh, i don't remember
3: that on the application out. going back to the mafia job. not I, every I, new
2: yorker no is i in the mafia. just you know oh okay I mean, I watch a lot of TV. All
3: right. (laughs) I say one of two things could bring me from New York to the Midwest, and it's either love or money. Um, Not love of money, but love or money. And I will let you take a guess as to which it was, John. You followed a woman here. Is that correct? That is correct, my friend. (laughs) You know, I was on a vacation. I met a a young lady on vacation. She happened to be from uh, Nebraska. I'm not afraid to put myself out there and, again, ask the question. Yes or no. And we pursued a relationship and we found ourselves deciding we might want to uh, see if this could move beyond phone calls. And we said, well, let's apply for jobs in each other's hometown. (laughs) And if there's something you don't know about upstate New York, it's that the economy in the early 2000s (laughs) was not very good. Correct. Mm -hmm, Not very good. So it didn't take long for me to find myself hired again at a regional bank here in Omaha. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Wonderful bank. I was hired on as part of their dual licensed platform program, one of the first in the state uh, to be a licensed employee, to be able to refer and sell investments as also a banker. And it was my first day on the job after having just moved all the way across the country that I learned our bank was bought by a big multinational (laughs) corporation. So timing. Yeah, it was terrific. Wow you know, it filled me with uh, very warm feelings of confidence. And wow, I made a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> and after those feelings went away, I said, maybe I need to reevaluate my situation. So, you know, I, as you can imagine, I got to know some people around town mm-hmm. and you know, got to visit with them. And I learned that there was a, uh, a pretty nice insurance company that had its home office here that had just re-domiciled from the West Coast. And, you know, they have a pretty cool logo. They're in a lot of uh, terrific you know, Saturday college sports uh, ads. And I thought, <laughs> I want to work for those guys. Sounds like a whale of a company. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> You're very wise, That's John. clever, wasn't You're it? Very wise. Yes, yes. yes. So uh, <laughs> I learned about this job. It was called internal wholesaler. You know, I have to laugh. The guy that, that told me about the job said, oh, it's a piece of cake. You just send out marketing literature. and <laughs> A piece of cake. Yeah. Yep. Just sent out some literature and scheduled appointments, and that's that's all she wrote. Boy, was it not that. <laughs> I learned the ins and outs of retirement planning. Uh, I learned the everything you can imagine that was not wholesaling. Uh, it was basically the foundation of the type of planning that you have to do to be a successful financial right. advisor. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with mm-hmm. hundreds, if not thousands, of financial advisors across the country which allowed me to see the right way to do things and sometimes not the most efficient or best way to do things right. for a client mm-hmm. when you're doing planning. I loved that career. Uh, I was there for 10 years, uh, did quite well at it and moved into a sales management role. Uh, I always tend to find myself in leadership positions. And shortly after uh, moving to this leadership position, I realized sometimes the leaders, don't necessarily make as much as the workers. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, going from a, a top performing position, uh, I had my my pay based on an average of how everyone else was doing that I worked with. And I had over 20, 23 employees at the time. Oh. Um, so I reevaluated again. I said, boy, I'm just missing that personal connection. When I worked at the pharmacy, I had that face-to-face. Mm-hmm. When I worked at the clothing store, I had that face-to-face. When I worked, again, at the bank, face-to-face. I am missing the face-to-face. When you were
2: having vacuum cleaner races. When I, yes. you were riding a vacuum, yes, yeah.
3: <laughs> so I, I was missing out on that face-to-face interaction. And being in the, the financial world, there's really only one place that you can get that. And it's as a financial advisor, mm-hmm. or as we say, moving into production. Okay. And... That's how I found myself uh, applying for a role as a financial advisor and feeling very comfortable and confident with all the skills that I'd learned over the past you know decade or so to to really bring my skill set to the table and help some people
2: so yet another leap of faith there which we talk about a lot you you probably took a step back correct
3: to take yeah. a step forward right yeah absolutely yeah yeah it was a big question mark you know um when you become a financial advisor, uh, things aren't handed to you. You, you must build. <laughs> Correct. Right? You have to build. And that was going to be my question. What was the number one thing that you felt was most challenging as you became an advisor? The hardest thing was having the confidence to think it's going to be okay. Not necessarily in the markets because you know we're professionals. We see what the markets do. Right. We know that over time, it's going to be okay. But in your own day-to-day life. Um, there's a little trepidation and because you have taken a big risk, stepping away from a corporate job that was, you know, paying the bills, feeding the family, taking care of everything. And, uh, now all of a sudden it's, let's start over from scratch.
2: Yeah. But, but as you know, the reward of this job is being able to watch families, no question and, and help them through financial difficulties,
3: Mm -hmm. help them set them up for success and, I'm sure that was part of the attraction having no watched question. it from the other side of the fence. Yeah, no question. So you forget pretty quickly about yourself when you're helping other people. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's well stated. Yeah. And uh I I really loved I loved that aspect. I was able to delve into people's lives and and really understand them and I I think maybe uh the listeners might get the feeling that I I I'm an open book myself, listener. Listener, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> your well. Wife if you listen to again, it, again. Yeah. 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 If you listen to it, it yeah, listen. Right. sure. Okay. Go, let's go. Put well, a then, but, on there. Yeah. So when I listen to it later, I'll probably agree with myself that. <laughs> uh yes, uh, I forgot
2: what I was saying. I don't know. Well, I, well it was. You gonna had a good,
3: good point I, going. It was
2: going to be good. I interrupted. I apologize, but. Uh, no, so so let's transition here to, well, why join me, Mr. Jokester, John, and Brent here at Sorwell Strategies. Yeah, So over my
3: career, I've had the opportunity to work, like I said, with hundreds, if not thousands, of advisors. Over the last seven years, uh, I've worked with dozens of advisors very closely.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And not everyone does it the same way. And that's for sure. Yep. This is correct. Yep. And you learn to identify the things that resonate with you and the people that resonate with you, mm-hmm. where you share the same values, uh, you share the same mission, and you become attracted to that. Yep. Um, and th- that is what I was seeking. And that's what I found. I appreciate the independence mm-hmm. here at Sorewell Strategies. I appreciate the guidance uh, and the teamwork of having two other very skilled veteran financial advisors by my side in the planning process with a client yep i'm not on an island you're not on an island. We're working together. Yeah,
2: Anyway, we feel the same. In in, break. you wouldn't be here if we didn't feel the same way about you. Absolutely. And you bring this expertise in the area of annuities that I think is helpful in some cases. And uh, so it's a, you're going to be already are a great complement to what we're doing here. So appreciate that. Hats off to you as well. Well, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> right, well, and
1: you talk about building a more of an intimate business. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that and see what
3: your vision is for your clients here. Yeah. I mean, sometimes things can feel like a cookie cutter. You might end up only being able to offer three suits to a client, let's say. <laughs> okay. Okay. If they want a suit, you might only have three choices. Well, maybe a suit isn't appropriate. For this family that you're working with, maybe uh, the color blue clashes with all of them. Maybe, and I'm going back to my clothing days. Uh, (laughs) Your haberdashery, my haberdashery years. Very nice. Maybe I know words. A slim fitting suit isn't right for the dad. Like it wouldn't be right for me. Uh, (laughs) So you have to be able to customize and and do things that are independent of. A prescribed program, I'll mm-hmm. say, um you have to be able to b- make the decisions that are in the best interest of the clients. and I really do feel confident that um what i what I see here is going to lend me uh, to be able to have those those types of decisions and conversations,
2: yeah, you make a great point. it's it is always number one, what is in the best interest of the client, and if it's not, we don't go in that direction. so, Talk about the goals for your clients. What are your thoughts on on that? Goals for my clients? Yes. Uh, what do you mean, John? I don't know. It says on the paper we should talk about... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. So w- what are your goals to... Uh, what, what are you trying to do with your clients in, uh, you know, just as far as... Helping them be successful financially.
3: Yeah. So I think it's important that financial advisors, as I've seen this over the last almost two decades, financial advisors don't necessarily need to tell a client, this is what you must do. Right. Okay? I disagree mm-hmm. with that That line, line of thinking. There are bad decisions and there are good decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's the role of the financial advisor, uh, uh, the role of a good financial advisor to help the client and help the family to make the most appropriate and in that case, best decision for them. Right it's not saying you must do this or you must not do that. Uh, that's not how it works. Correct. Right.
2: And I, I see, I hear that a lot from uh, people who come over from other financial advisors. And mm-hmm. it's the classic example is the lady who told me on the phone, uh, I bought some farmland and a financial advisor told me that was stupid. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't think you yeah. can make those kind of blanket statements. Right. right. Uh, Absolutely. And maybe you thought it was stupid because, he doesn't sell farmland, there you know? You I don't know. So I always think about
1: education, mm-hmm. right? Talking about educating our clients on all the different types of investments and, yeah. you know, and how the different tax purposes come in and, you know, education
3: is a big theme here at SOAR. Yeah. I think the, the the best client is an informed client.
2: Well, Andrew, I'm telling you, this was, uh, you know, despite the tepid introduction that Brent gave you. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was expecting a little more game show uh, feel to it but that's all right. No, I we appreciate you being here with us at Sorwell Strategies uh, strategies.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, I swear I don't drink at all. Uh but that Thank sounded goodness. like it sounded a little like Foster Brooks for people who remember who that was. Uh but no, I, we appreciate you being on Financial Flight Academy as well and um, you know, glad you're getting settled here with us and helping families that you work with here.
3: I look forward to many years ahead, fellas. Yep.
2: Wonderful. Well,
1: thanks again for listening out there, folks. If you'd like to schedule some time with John, myself, or Andrew, it's really easy. Contact us via our website, www.soarwealthstrategies.com. Call our office at 531-867-3400. Also remember to please follow us on all the social media platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.
2: We're on all of them. Every single we love them all. (laughs) Again, thank you to Andrew Muska. Uh for Brent Connolly, I'm John Schutz. Join us next time on Financial Flight Academy.
0: Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at soarwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.